All right, so what time is it? It's uh, 20.41 hours. And what time did you show up? About 58 minutes past. And what have we been doing for the last 40-some-odd minutes? Uh, We've been doing what we were meant to be doing during a Zoom meeting earlier this week. (laughs) We're messing around with your tech is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, man. When are you going to get that Uh, sorted? What's the, what's the deal with you? Well, you've sent me a very useful video today for uh, mixers, which I've I've actually watched the first five minutes and made a lot of notes on it. And that's going to be useful. But the usual way of working, uh, the restream thing, I've had issues the last couple of weeks. And it, look, let, let's let's salvage this. I'm <laughs> I'm almost broken tonight. Yeah, yeah, you almost broke me, man. I was like, yeah. damn. I was like, everything you, was working you perfect. You deserve it. You deserve it, I think. <laughs> I was like, everything's working perfect. And then as soon as you show up anywhere near anything to do with tech, then stuff just starts going wrong. Life has been just dandy. And then here you come. You'd what, mess are you up doing a, now? what are you doing now with your cabling? You, you'll mess up a wet dream. <laughs> yeah this guy you know i've come to realize that i think you knew me better all along than i knew you um <laughs> i'm hopeful that there is no alcohol uh, oh, no, no, on I, your desk i finished uh, that it's empty oh, you finished that all, while i was waiting for you to mess around with your tech you've had a very busy week though i couldn't even get you on on zoom i sent my zoom meeting link via email and yet again the world's oldest millennial told me no you don't get me via email you need to ping me a whatsapp yeah, you gotta, you, dude. If you, life just gets lost in email for me, man. I've got to bring you back to your own generation. You know, this, <laughs> yeah. this, this instant messaging is like a middle-aged man wearing skinny jeans. Oh. You got to come back to us. It's it's the twenty-first century, man. We moved on from email. This is WhatsApp and messenger. There, tell me this, Clay. Is yeah. there nothing you miss? about say the pre-internet age that serenity don't you think there was a serenity to life before the internet yeah i try to imagine what you know or try not imagine try to remember what it was like before we have we had internet and phones in fact i was having this conversation with myself earlier this week i was out on a walk um and i was out during the sort of school run time ish But I noticed that all the parents, they just ignore the kids. Every single parent was on their phone. Now, somebody came back at me when I mentioned it to some other crowd. They were like, well, you don't know what they're doing. They could be checking this. I'm like, every single parent was on their phone with their kids. And one guy was sat in his car. The kid looks bored as heck. Dad's leaned back. So it couldn't have been an emergency because he was all in a lean back position on his phone, but every adult was on their phone. I was thinking, what, what, what would that dude been doing in his car if it was pre mobile phone days when he was dropping his kid off? Yeah, I've, I've had a similar conversation. I was actually chastised by someone a couple of months ago. I was told not to be so judgmental because I made a similar point. When I go running in the park, I see couples. They're walking together, but they're both on their phones, scrolling as if, for me, if you're outdoors 
you're not indoors. Those are the things that you do indoors. Why should you be online when you're outdoors? If there is stuff to do, just stay indoors. But when you're outside, try and engage with what you're doing. Now, the point that was made to me by the person chastising me was don't be so judgmental, which is okay, fine. She said they may be on their phone because uh, outdoors because that's the only place where it's safe for them to talk. That's fine. If if you've got someone talking on their phone outdoors, I've got no problem with that. My problem is with the scrolling, all that yeah. business as you're walking. I can't handle that. You're yeah. outdoors. You know, we, we, we it's this whole, we, we, we've just, we're so different from what we were 20, 25 years ago. And I break the internet down into stages, the dial start era, the dial up era rather, mm. Then we had probably the era where people like you and I, the early noughties, maybe started exploiting the internet for our own use and, you know, realized that as to, to go with your phrase, we could be geographically independent because of the internet. We could be anywhere and still work and be paid for it. But touching on your point, phones, I think is what blew this all out, uh, blew it all up into something it should never have been. Something the, the that's iPhone, just, the smartphone blew it all up because yeah. it was a, you know, it was a, it was, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad when it was just mobile phones because you did actually have to talk or, you know, I guess you got the texting and stuff going on. Um, but then the smartphone just ruined. In fact, the phone companies probably had a hand in it too. As in, remember, remember when smartphones first came out, data was unlimited. You could be on your internet forever, but they, you had a, a cap on not a cap, but you pay premium for going over a certain amount of text. Yeah. But then they got smart and so oh no, everybody's actually on the internet and they flipped that. Now I got more text than I could ever send. In fact, I think you got unlimited text now. Um, but the, you're the same thing. I think the person, cause that's the same thing that the person said to me that I was being judgmental cause I didn't have no idea what that parent was thinking, but I think it's them defending themselves as in they probably do the same thing with their kid and was trying to justify the fact that they spend more time on their phone than in the presence of their kid when they walk them to school or whatever. Because you can't tell me that every single parent that I saw the other day was in some kind of emergency situation that they couldn't have been paying attention to their kid or talking to their kid as they're taking them to school or something. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I am Mr. Tech. I love my tech, I must admit, but it does sometimes you think, what have we become? <laughs> but, but you're also a very outdoorsy guy and, you know, you do all that business wading through creeks and, you know, um, pilgrimages or whatever it was you did in Spain. When you're out there doing this stuff, can you switch off from using from using your phone if you're not doing anything creative? I know like you might be doing some video blog or taking pictures, posting them on Instagram. But other than that, are you able to just switch off and engage with what's around you? Unless, of course, you need to take or make a call. No, I, I tell you what, there was a point in time where I used to think you have to do everything in real time. So I used to be on my phone when I was outdoors all the time, taking pictures and then edit, you know, doing a quick edit and sending them and posting. And then I got, I had one of those light bulb moments and say, you know what, actually I'm missing the actual experience because I'm so busy capturing the experience that I'm missing the experience. And so I stopped doing uploading when I'm out. So take pictures, take loads of pictures, 
And then when I'm back at the car or back at home is when I'll go through, sort through, edit, and then post. But I just had this thing about, used to have the thing about doing it in real time. Like I'm here, it's Snowden, da 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 um, But then I just, yeah, it was like, you know, so busy capturing the experience that I was missing the experience. And I kind of nipped that one on the bud. So I still have, you know, you know, my, that whole shelf up there is, that's all my various different cameras I have up there. So I've got different kinds of cameras for whatever the conditions are going to be. GoPro, got the big cameras, small cameras, all sorts of stuff up there. But so I, you know, I'd like my photography from a creative point of view. Um, you know, I had a, just, just jumping in there on what you said about, um, try to live the experience rather than documenting everything. I had a similar experience in the late nineties with the camera, you know, I had the advantage. I've never been a good photographer. I do think there's a skill to it. That's maybe been lost now with mobile phones, but I wasn't good pre mobile phones and I'm certainly not good now with pictures, but it was in Paris. I'd gone up the Eiffel tower and I thought I've got to take a picture of this. And it was one of the few tourist attractions, which I actually thought there's something to this. This, this is a, this is a proper experience. The view is stunning. I'm, you know, I'm afraid of heights. So I'm, I'm struggling here a bit. I made the decision that day back in 98. I'm not going to take any pictures. I'm just going to try and live this moment and remember it. And I've mm. been able to remember it. I don't need to look at any pictures. Well, I didn't take any, but it was a similar thing for me. It's you don't have to photograph everything wherever you are you don't have to take pictures relent relentless pictures when you're out on holiday just try and enjoy what you're doing and try and switch off a bit more absolutely you know how many f pictures i have on my phone as you could tell i had this conversation earlier this week with someone because we looked at my phone i've got i take a, loads of pictures dude i'm crazy don't you delete them though at some point nah i've got 36,147 photos on my phone what have you got? An iPhone? Yeah, and I've got... And that, their storage is that deep? Well, I've got iCloud, don't I? So they, it's actually it, an instance of it is on the phone, but the actual huge file is on the iCloud, unless you pull it up and call it up. And I've got 3,463 videos. Do you have a plan for those 36,000 pictures? If someone says to you tomorrow, Clay, your time's running out, you're going to be gone by the end of the year. <laughs> Working with that Spanish guy, I'm afraid, has given you heart disease. What are you going to do about those 36,000 pictures? You're just going to leave them in the iCloud? Well, they'll be, yes. Well, this is the thing. This is a whole other discussion, isn't it? Because I think, people, you know, who owns your books if you have them on Kindle? What happens to your phone? Well, I think the answer to that is Amazon. Right. But I mean, but could you just, you know, if you're, someone has your, well, as long as someone keeps paying, well, I guess not paying for it. Once you get the Kindle, you have it. As long as someone has your password and stuff like that. And I guess it's the same with the phone and the iCloud. Whoever has my password could then have the photos, but then they would actually have to keep paying at some point. Um, or whether they download them all and do something with them. So that's an interesting dilemma. But um, let us do my favorite thing, and we'll come back to that. Oh, let's go to a tune. we got to go to some tunes. How many selfies do I got? You think about that, and then you can tell. Could we'll make 33,000. <laughs> um, and we're going to start off with uh, one of your little tunes here, um, Great Lee Buffalo. Grant Lee Buffalo. It's one of your lot. It's an American. What is wrong with you? American snoring. Awesome. I like it. 
You're right. Very good. Here we are. I think it's from we're... about ninety three. I think ninety three. All right. Very good. Yeah, you had some uh, some good tunes on here uh, today. I was uh, well, some of them, not no, not all of them. Not all sure. Of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a few. I this I I rediscovered this song that I've been playing nonstop this week. Uh, and now I've forgotten its name. I'm gonna just quickly find it on YouTube. Excuse the brief type in i remember the band really well drop 19s um and i'm just trying to find the song but i couldn't play it oh it's kick the tragedy it's from 1992 the delaware album couldn't play it on this show because it's uh, eight and a half minutes long it's a it's a stunning tune what i liked about them they were teenagers and the leader, the band leader, uh, basically walked away from music in his early 20s, hasn't been back since, which I love that kind of maverick behavior, but it's yeah, the, like the, it. the, the, the track is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, we can do whatever we want to on that show, but, um, no, eight and a half minutes. You, you, I, if I can't get you, if I can't get you on email, you can't do eight and a half minutes. Song. If it was but, a good song, I could do. In fact, I did the same because I wanted to play P Funk, but it's like 14 minutes. It's like seven or eight or nine minutes long. P Funk is. Remember I that even one? thought, yeah, yeah. 14 minutes we'd be pushing it i i even thought one week we could do a shoegazing special but i don't think that will you know i'll be able to fly that one past you i well, don't you, think well, you're much depends. of a shoegazer well it depends on who it is if it's something like coldplay that's uh, not shoegazing yeah it is that's no. shoegazing yeah early coldplay were they were very very good though early coldplay yeah. i've got no issue with that i can do shoegazing again as long as it's not um Punk ass, pussy ass, kind of shoegazing. I can do. So, um, who is this? Who is this man? I, <laughs> I never saw this side to him. Just as long as yes, it's not all weepy. Like I can do shoegazing. I, I can do. It with. was largely a British thing, wasn't it? That the Americans took on, and some American bands did it rather well. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I think like I said. I think if you, you know, if it's done. If it's done well, um, I can hang with it. But some of the stuff is just too much. Like, there's got to be enough going on with the song um, for me to hang with it. Like, some stuff is very um, monotoned, and it just drums along. And I just like, ugh, I can't hand, handle that. But, yeah, as long as it's got enough going on, too, it's got enough character, I can deal with it. And the shoegazing, the guitarists are always... Uh are people who are listening to this won't be able to see this, but they hold the guitar in a very certain way and it barely moves and they're just standing still, stock still and just strumming away. That mm. is, that is so shoegazing. What would, what would you, what, yeah, I was going to say, what do you call, who, what's a band? What band would you have as a shoegazer? Uh, Ride. I think, do you remember that song, Leave Them All Behind? That was eight and a half minutes long as well. Right. Uh, the Lars, late eighties British band. Um, it was a bit. It was a big scene here in the late uh, late 80s, early 90s. But then I think that some American bands really took it on. They were really into it, and Drop 19s being one of them, uh, and and probably the youngest as well to do so. I mean, to be doing that kind of music in their late teens was just incredible. By the time they got to their second album, the band, I think three of the five had quit, right. and I 
got into them during the second album i didn't realize they were effectively a, a different band with a different sound but it's the first album that the diehard fans love and i can see why because it's completely different well we might have to uh we might have to give it a shot and do a uh a, a shoegazing hey don't, don't you like it i i think as a creator i think it's very courageous when people who are known for doing something then suddenly do something very different that's i like bands that show that kind of growth but like you've been a writer and becoming a podcaster yeah but i'm thinking bands like tears for fears talk talk they actually alienated uh, a large chunk of their following by taking such radical uh roots and not to mention uh irritating their record labels but i i i mentioned this because well talking about the drop 19s and and the the change in sound from first to second album but i saw a youtube video quentin tarantino raving about how exceptional david caruso was on nypd blue he was only there for a year and i thought at last at last <laughs> someone is talking about this because caruso he's not the best actor but there was something about what he did on nypd blue that for me is the greatest individual tv character i've ever seen and yet i know that he's not the best actor and i know he was replaced by jimmy smith who's a superior actor the point being that when he left after just a, a year and, and Tarantino was saying, you know, who was Dennis Franz? He says, when you watched NYPD blue with David Caruso, who actually, who actually cared what Dennis Franz was doing <laughs> and nobody cared because David Caruso was so compelling, but it became a very different show when Jimmy Smith's came in. And I, I find that fascinating when something that you love changes so much mm. may have changed for the better, but you still prefer the way it was. You kind of hang on to the thing that you knew as opposed to what they've become. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that, especially when it, when it comes to your, like your bands. Um, yeah, I probably, I guess I would say more so with bands. I really, you know, actors, I can, you know, seeing them be versatile is, is a good thing, but it's, it's when you grow used to a certain kind of music from us, from your favorite bands, if they start going a different direction, um, if it doesn't jive with you, then it's, it's hard to hear them go. I mean, I'm just thinking about like the various iterations of Van Halen with, with them changing singers and the like, um, and yeah, the band had a different sound between having uh, David Lee Roth and then Sammy Hagar. It was like, eh, then I kind of, you know, I kind of parted ways uh, because of that, even though we had the rest of the members of the band. Um, but yeah. Well, the Chili Peppers, uh, I mentioned their guitarist who's now back, Frusciante, John Frusciante, who I think is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. And their sound changed quite a bit after he left. The guy who took over, I forget his surname, Josh something, uh, uh, about 10 years younger, really good guitarist in his own right. He played keyboards and, and, and yeah, he played keyboards, I think, on their live tours. Really good guitarist, but the fans just could not uh, forgive him for not being John Frusciante. And yet I think with this Josh guy, they produced for me their greatest ever song, which is I think Dark Necessities, I think is their best song. Uh, but yet I know that Frashante is just a phenomenal guitarist, the best probably for me, my favorite guitarist. All right. But, and you uh, know this, what? It's kind of scary, man. Two things has happened just now. I think uh, I know one of them. Well, one of them is we're actually talking about music like, you know, 
like this is a, a music show. <laughs> the second thing is we've gone all the way back to day one in terms of our production uh, yeah. value and all the mis technical mishaps that we're having. We're we were just getting ready to break into the big time, and then yeah. <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom. This was we, we between last week and this week. That just set us all the way back to the beginning, man. It's like we learnt how to use tools, but then we've lost those first tools that we fashioned, and we're now back you know, to just, the beginning. Yeah, first <laughs> days on the planet again. There <laughs> it is, man. But what are you going to do? Um, this next song's Alice Cooper. You like Alice? You're an Alice man? No, no. I tweeted words to that effect earlier oh, when you? I saw your Alice Cooper picture. I did. I was looking. I was. I kind of guess that you wouldn't but i was looking for the tweet but i guess you must have tweet tweeted it when i wasn't looking for it i think i'll look at it <laughs> during, <laughs> during this session and because i figured you might be bouncing around with about something because anything good you can almost guarantee that you don't don't like it's it. that it's that whole kind of bon jovi type sounds just guitar-y guitar-y very american in a bar playing in a bar just yeah, but I it's am American. not very good. Yeah, no, you, and you, you are, bars, but, but, and but guitars is what music's about, man. That's that's just a lot of noise. And Alice Cooper, very gimmicky, isn't he? He's a kind of enter entertainer rather than a musician. But he's a very intellectual dude as well. When you listen to him off the stage, so it's not just a uh, you know just some long-haired rock and roll freak. You know, he's a very uh, intelligent dude. Um, here we go anyway, this is uh, Poison. All right, Little Poison, Alice Cooper. I remember that song. Yeah, this was his later stuff, isn't it? I mean, I was a big fan of him in the early days, like with the Killer album um, and School's Out. Those were those were my favorite Alice days, was them days. In fact, you know, because I did tell you the story of my dumpster diving days, and Alice Cooper's yeah. Killer was one of the first albums I ever owned in my possession was that killer album. Loved it. Played that thing to death. <laughs> yeah. And then School's Out was my second favorite. But, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Um, So, yeah, uh, the whole sort of social thing. And I was thinking about social media in itself. Have you come across Haps TV? Hats. Haps. Haps. Oh, no. no As in happening, I think. It looks like it's a replacement for Periscope, if you remember Periscope. Yeah, well, wasn't Periscope owned by Twitter? Well, it was. It was. It was. Owned, it was itself, and then Twitter bought it, and then Twitter destroyed it. And now it's they're closing it on March thirty first. Um, but now another another company called Haps Haps, with two P's, um, TV, and you know it's like the newest thing. Rage, um, and yeah, it's a replacement for Periscope. So a lot of people who were still into Periscope because that kind of died out are all migrating over to Haps. Um, I was on there today. I only just found it today. Um, spent some time kind of surfing it, but I was thinking, where does it end, man? Where does it? And that's like another platform, and uh, that people will get on and saturate. And given all the other platforms that we already have, when does it actually end? When will you stop joining these things, though? 
What, what, what are you looking for when you join them? Because if something, say, was much better than Twitter, yeah, wh- where does that leave you? Well, it means I would abandon Twitter. <laughs> okay. In fact, I, I do use Mastodon. I don't know if you use Mastodon at all. No. Uh, so I have an account over there. I, and I like it because it's, it's, it's very, um, well, it's more indie than Twitter. It's not mainstream. So when you're there, you're, you're having, I find on these off platforms, I'm not saying Haps is one because that's, it's in the, you know, it's a big, you know, it's going, it's blowing up as the Utes would say. Um, but it's something like Mastodon because most people are perhaps too lazy to go over there because they just want to stick with Twitter or Facebook and Instagram, the big ones. Um, you find that, well, I find that you get into more genuine interactions with people. Um, and it reminds me a lot more of the, uh, golden age of the internet, you know, when blogging was big back in the, you know, 2009 kind of space or 2003 even. Um, it reminds me of that era when I'm on these platforms. I mean, you're not going to grow huge following because it's not necessarily huge, lots of people over there, but because there's not loads, then people want to talk and they want to engage. So, like I get a lot of interactions on Lemur, which we talked about in the show in the past, but you know, it's not big. And so people talk, they're there. I imagine if it blows up and gets big and all the influencers come over there, you know, that that'll go away. Um, my Mastodon account, as I said, it, you know, it's, I don't have any, I don't know any of the people there. So I don't have any friends that are on there, like people that I actually know. It's all people that I've just met virtually. Um, I was on micro dot blog as well. Same thing. It's a very nice community there. Are you still using that new MySpace thing that we talked about a few weeks ago? You know, I haven't. I only I opened the account, but I've never given it any time of day to get on it and have a, a go or a play. I've been meaning to, but it's, again, I think as I've been focusing on building some of my other accounts, I just haven't given it the time um, to do it. <laughs> Twitter has shown some real staying power, though, hasn't it? It's still the leader for, you know... It's still there, but it's so... I mean, it's been surpassed by Instagram, Snapchat. Um, it'll never... It'll, it won't be able to catch back up with those two, but they've come on the scene past it. Um, but not in terms of, obviously, what Twitter has become in our time, which it wasn't when we joined it. In terms of breaking news, Twitter is the yeah, go-to place. Yeah, I think if it? you're if you're into news, so if you're not into necessarily social social networking, um, it's a great. I find it. I do find it's a great place for going for news. I think it's not as great from a social standpoint, um, but yeah, news definitely, and. It's, but it's, it's, well, there's a couple of rumors with Twitter, isn't it? So there's a, this, well, they got Twitter spaces now. I don't know if you've seen that. So once again, where does it end? So that's their answer to Clubhouse is Twitter spaces. Right. Well, I've, I've not seen that. Where, where's that? Is that available to all tweeters? It's available for you to listen, but it's not available for all of us to, um, participate in. So it's only, I guess, big influencers that get to actually, um, have rooms but you can find it on your twitter um 
How did you feel about that time? It's what two, three years now when Twitter doubled the amount of characters. You oh, I love this. Oh, dude, I love that. Really? Yeah, definitely, definitely. In fact, I wish Twitter was more like. I wish Tumblr had it took off. Tumblr was my favorite. Cause Why? Because well, you can. You're not like I. I dig having the whole sort of short thing. Um, but I liked to have the flexibility if I wanted to go longer that I could go longer and I liked but it what about that wasn't isn't that where the Twitter thread though comes in that was the fun of Twitter wasn't it you've got your 140 characters you mm. can just have a thread yeah it's not quite the same you know I think with the thread because you have to do it then then start the thread and kind of mess around with that kind of nonsense whereas I think with Tumblr mostly you're microblogging but you have that extra if you wanted to um, in the way that it was laid out in terms of the different types of media that you could share was just great. But it, again, it, it took off in the States and it still has a big um, presence around a certain demographics in the States, uh, but not so much here. But WordPress has bought them, so it'd be interesting to see what what WordPress does with the platform. And, but I kind of dig it. But yeah, and, and Twitter, Twitter now has... It might, it's got the uh, Insta stories. It's got Twitter Spaces, and of course you can. Well, it had Periscope, but that's going away. But then they're going to replace it with Twitter Live, so it's going to have uh, a version of Periscope on it, or like a Facebook Live type thing. Um, I think. It's How do you a, feel about that? Given that you were a Periscope fan. Um, well, when Twitter bought it, that was fine because it just integrated it together. Um, so as long as they bring it back and then have the platform, I think it's great. But again, like you said, I think it's, it's, you know, it has a demographic around breaking news. I think they introduced these services to try and, you know, get back some market share from these other platforms to which those kinds of forms of communication are very popular. Uh, but I don't know if their demographic of people will want to use those tools and w at, and whether those tools will help Twitter to grow or break into a, a larger demographic, which I don't think it will. But a lot of these things like Periscope, it came in around four or five years ago. They don't have the staying power of a Twitter or Facebook, do they? Very few things do now. They... They burst on the scene, you know, they're, they're seen as a, uh, sometimes a, a very positive alternative to the big mainstream social media that we know. And then they end up being bought by those companies. And as you're saying, what's happened with Periscope? But I think the big companies ruin it, though, don't it? I think, I think what happens, so Periscope was doing, well, take it because you had Meerkat before Periscope, didn't you? But they didn't last and nobody bought them. And Periscope was doing really well. Then Twitter was thinking, all right, well, this is a way for us to get in the game, bought it, but then quickly found that probably that it diverts them from their main gig or that people were going over there and moving away from Twitter. So, and they, I mean, they did manage to kind of integrate it in, but it, it was kind of at cross purposes to what they're trying to, to sort of build. So I can see that they're going to just make a Twitter periscope and keep you all on the platform like everybody else does it's like keep them here don't be sending them elsewhere i mean snapchat did well 
and we've talked about this. I mean, imagine being 23 years old, 21, 23, and turning down a billion dollars, you know, with Zuckerberg. They're still going, Snapchat. Yeah, they're, they're bigger than ever. It's, I mean, it's just not in our demographic, but in terms of the demographic that they're at, you know. They're still what about uh, TikTok? They're the thing that people talk about yeah. a lot now, aren't they? Are they the natural successor to Vine? Yeah, they're the natural successor to Vine. Again, they're sort of blowing up. They've got some problems because the whole sort of being owned by a Chinese company and that kind of thing, the whole sort of spying thing. Um, but as a platform, yeah, it's like I, I mean, it, again, for us, I don't. I mean, I, I know Mar- you know, influence and stuff are going there, but you know, as a demographic, I'm not sure that our demographic is there. There. Um, so if you have a product or service that hits a certain demographic, you can kill it on TikTok. If you have a product or service that doesn't fit that demographic, uh, then you'll struggle pretty much. The Instagram answer to TikTok Reels, is that doing well at all? Um, they were trying to make it do better than it is. If you notice how they move the buttons around, they move the buttons, they change our normal picture posting and they kind of put uh, the reels thing there so that you accidentally would push it <laughs> um but again i think so here's the thing with snap with instagram i think that was great uh facebook buying it for one um and then letting it stay kind of as a thing although they now are a lot more involved in it and integrated into facebook um I think they did a good job of like I came over from Snapchat once Facebook stole Insta stories. <laughs> they tried to buy Snapchat. Snapchat said, kiss my ass. Um, so Facebook said, kiss my ass <laughs> and just copied their thing outright. Um, but that, cause that, well, there was a point in time where I was snapping and doing Insta stories. I was like, this is ridiculous. So because I was, big into the photography but it was a natural thing to just stay and use insta stories um do you think do you think there are moderators around of these big social media companies and they're exchanging stories uh has that clay low signed up yet is he, is he <laughs> oh yeah yeah we've had him we've had him we hear he's um we hear he's with uh tiktok now oh he was here last month with um whatever snapchat <laughs> lima you know <laughs> He's all over the place. Don't forget Swell, man. You can't leave Swell out either. Uh, but I'm going to spend some time on Haps TV. Because I think uh, I was watching some a uh, couple of... Do you know uh, Helen... Radio Helen or Helen Radio, whatever her name is. She's a Scottish lady presenter. No, is that a tweeter? Uh, no, she's not a big... T- I mean, she actually was a photographer, but she got into okay. radio, but so she's got a show that she has on on Thursday nights or something like that. Um, but anyway, I've been, I was watching how she, she was using the, the, that platform, and there was a American guy out of Chicago uh, who has a you know, sort of music-oriented uh, show. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was going to spend some time on it just to see what kind of potential that it has why it's in its early phase um but anyway speak- how long do you tend to give these platforms though before you decide they're not for you um if i get engagement on them then i'll stick around if there's no engagement 
Um, and I'm just talking to myself, then, of course, who wants to just talk to themselves? So, yeah, don't stick around. That's so. what I say every week here about <laughs> us doing this. You know, it's like, oh, well, at least we do get, I mean, we got a person. So one as long as I get a person, I'm good to go. It doesn't have to be huge numbers. It just has to be bigger than zero. If it's zero, can't stick around. If it's one, I'm good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and if I uh, if it fits into my creative flow, um, then I'm like TikTok just doesn't work for me. I guess nothing I could do with TikTok, like you know the idea and the concept. And I see people doing some interesting thing, but it's just not my thing. Um, so yeah, if it fits, then I'm then I'm down, man. I'm down. Speaking of dark necessities, that's what we got coming up right now. That's one of my, that album is probably one of my favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers albums, you know? The video for that, have you seen the video for that song? It's so good with those uh, girls skateboarding. It's yeah. just uh, brilliant. I like, I mean, I like just about every song on there. I mean, in fact, that is my, well, the Red Hot Chili Peppers just period like about four of their albums is my road trip uh band that i take with me when i got long drive to do um but this 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 um the getaway has been like as soon as i'm going to go on a long drive like i'm going down the bristle or whatever it's in um i love it and What's your favorite song on that album? Or do you know well, I don't know the album too well, but I mean, I, I'd say I'd be surprised if there was a better song than Dark Necessities because I think it's an exceptional song. No, that's a cool tune, but I love, I love, I love. Give me a song and I'm going to check it out after the show. Go on. Well, I'll tell you my, my, well, see, I love them kind of all, so it's hard. <laughs> um, Goodbye Angels is great. Uh, Go Robot, uh, Feast in the Flowers is probably another one up there in fact that would probably be sort of dark necessity feast in the flat feast in the flowers is probably my, would be ahead of that one and then the okay. one that really just takes me to some crazy place is um the uh the, the sort of encore is the one um that i just like oh man it just has this quite floaty feel and i just feel like I feel like getting in the car and just driving into the desert when I listen to that song. Straight into the warm embrace of the virus, which is currently on the rise <laughs> in the Midlands again. Uh, very quickly, we, we touched on the whole thing a few weeks ago about um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, what great musicians they are, but it's maybe overshadowed because they have a cartoonish quality to them. They're, it's almost like the banana split. They're very colourful <laughs> characters. But it's not just the musicians. They, they do those live jams, which are magnificent in their concerts. But Anthony Kiedis, is that how you pronounce his name, yeah. surname? Um, he, he's dancing. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a good vocalist. He's a good rapper. His dancing is so unusual. <laughs> you could actually say, you could actually put forward a strong argument. He can't dance. He dances like a boxer, which is what I love about him. He comes in kind of skipping across the stage, gliding. It's quite striking. Everything about them is striking. But you're talking about that being your favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Obviously, the fact that Prashante is back now is likely to mean the sound does change. Mm. Next album. Anyway, right, let's hit it. Necessities. All right. Dark Necessities. Red Hot Chili Peppers. That oh. went a bit cure at the end, doesn't it? 
that, that guitar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, that's got to be one of my favorite um, albums of theirs, is that one. Um, and I also like um, the one with the little red fly on it as well. That's another favorite. Do you remember their original guitarist who died in the late 80s? I think his surname was Hilal. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen him. Was Do you know much about him? How no. good was he? No, I don't 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 know much about him now. I do not, my friend. I'm with you. That's the one. That's my other favorite one. So my top, I guess, yeah, my top four albums actually is probably the last four. By the way, um, and then I'm with you and the getaway. The Stadium Arcadium is okay, uh, but yeah, those have got to be my favorite sort of. Three, so top three. By the way, I'm with you and the getaway. Speaking of favorites, what's your favorite social media platform? As we've been talking about social media this episode, well, this is the social media episode. Probably Twitter, and certainly early has that Twitter. just had a comfort, or just because you know? No, it? Cer- certainly not comfort, Clay. I'd say I'm. <laughs> I, I've, I've, no, I, I'd, I'd, and I mean that seriously. I think Twitter is a very uncomfortable place. I really do. It's you know, we've talked about this before. It's so different. And I think the Arab Spring 10 years ago now changed Twitter from what it was. There are, you know, plenty of good people still on it, but there are just so many people on there just for arguing and furthering their own agendas. But I've never found anything comparable to Twitter in social media. I think Instagram, if it had clickable links, I don't think anything could beat Instagram, but I think it's a massive flaw, although I'm sure it's a deliberate flaw. It's, it's, it's got to be. It's, it's, yeah. you know, I think it was, they the, want you to it, stay on the platform. It was in, it was part of the design, wasn't it? It was built into the design that way. Um, I think Twitter for writers originally was just a, a brilliant thing. And I remember reading interviews years ago with writers who actually talked about how seriously they took Twitter and how seriously they took the composition of each individual tweet. They regarded it as proper writing. Mm. I was one of those, you know, it constantly fed into my work. And I think Twitter was a, a, it was a segue, a bridge between me just being the writer and taking me to being, you know, doing radio and doing podcasts. I think without Twitter, I don't make that, you know, I don't make that move. Maybe I'd have been better if I hadn't made that move. And I say that in all seriousness, because mm. I think it does, social media does definitely dent your focus. Yeah. The, the, the way I've heard it said, so it depends on what you're doing. You know, I guess that's just it. I think it's always the motive. So if you want to do social networking, it's a different thing than doing social media. Um, and what's the, the what, what, What's the distinction there? Because I don't understand it. Yeah, well, so social media is exactly that. It's like media, you're publishing out something or you're marketing something or you're doing the news. Um, so, you know, you're just putting out, you know, info and entertainment, whereas social networking is like when you go to a party and you just go in to meet people and you're chit-chatting. And, you know, you just socialize, you're not pushing an agenda to sell anything, you're not selling information, you're not selling entertainment, you're literally meeting people, and you're just, you know, you're, well, yeah, you're meeting and having conversations about whatever it is that you guys are uh, interested in having. And, you know, there's some people who are on a platform, you know, just for that, there's tons of other people, 
We've probably got oversaturated now with people who are doing the social media stuff. So you've got lots of noise um, that is out there as a, as a kind of result of that, I think. Um, and I, you know, so I'm, 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 I liked Twitter from the standpoint of it's a, almost like a notebook for me. You know, it's my sort of digital notebook where I can quickly capture something and just kind of capture it and then I can go back and sort of see the feed later or what have you. Um, so that's one of the things that I like because it's, I don't have to sit down and write a long post. Uh, I'm just capturing these moments, um, almost like haikus for me, um, as I see Twitter as that sort of micro poetry kind of, uh, feed. Um, so I liked it. For, it's like one of my favorite, but it's, it's not the best. It's not my best platform for, in terms of engagement, where I get engagement from folks. What is that? Uh, I get most of my engagement on Facebook and Instagram. And I hate Facebook, but because I get most of my engagement there, I have to be there. And so that's why I'm, if I could leave Facebook, I'd be gone. I'd like, ah, I, I try and get people to defect from it. It's like, come on, man. There's a whole internet out there. Why do you want to be on this platform? And then don't, Lord forbid you say anything about Twitter. Most people are like, oh, I don't understand Twitter. What's the point of it? Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm there because that's where, that's where our, so our demographic, if you're generation X ish around that way, we dominate their platform. That's where they're, where Facebook's biggest demographic is, uh, is ours. Whereas, uh, Instagram is younger. Twitter's sort of, th- you know, late twenties, mid thirties, somewhere in there. Um, and then TikTok is, of course, your generation Z and below kind of things. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so if, if you're wanting to relate to people of your own generation, um, you kind of have to be in the Facebook, but I find the UI of it restricting. Although that everybody's trying to, um, capture market share. I don't know if you've seen what Facebook's up to now is that they're going to make a more robust, um, I forget what they call it, but it's a, almost like a robust kind of pages, uh, where you'll be able to form, you know, do better, you know, format it how you want to format your sort of posts and things like that with the links and pictures and all that kind of stuff um along with a sort of um group attached to that that's different from the current group that they have so you know they you know they're looking at some ways to try and steal people back from some of these other platforms like i'm surprised you don't do medium no i was on medium mm. briefly when i was doing a live radio show about a year ago but I didn't get much engagement on there. I just think three or four social media accounts, that's more than enough. And my Facebook, uh, show page is so difficult to manage now because as you, as you said, you know, mm. I, I did that thing that Facebook have cracked down on now where I turned a, a normal page years ago into a, a group page and I can only post on my mobile now and it's so limited. So I don't really enjoy Facebook, but I completely agree that it, probably is the best place for engagement. Um, 
I find the generation older than us, who are probably the dominant generation on Facebook, maybe along with our own generation, but I find the older generation, the generation before us, it's interesting watching them work LinkedIn. You know, I follow a lot of, um, well, I, I've connected with a lot of former footballers from my other work. Mm. And because of the demographic, the show's demographic, I'm having to interview older guys uh, in their 60s and 70s, even 80s. And it's very, it's just very curious watching how they, uh, how they engage on LinkedIn. They've almost turned it into Facebook and it's, just yeah, not very good. Because a lot of complaints about, again, LinkedIn's trying to become like, I mean, they introduce stories now, don't they? They've got stories, they've got... Following people. As following, well, you can put the stickers and stuff on your post. Um, you know, you can do LinkedIn Live. Um, I do a lot of my businessy stuff on uh, LinkedIn. I don't do any of my podcasting or any of that kind of stuff on there, but most of most of my LinkedIn stuff is all focused around my sort of corporate work that I do. Um, but it's a platform. I get a lot of engagement on, on LinkedIn. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like social tech, hence why I try them all. There's some that are my favorite, but nobody's there. And I try and get people to come, but everybody wants to just stick with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do you think, do you think that if you didn't have this duality that you have, because I've said it before, you're the only creator I know who has this side to him, this very corporate side and a, a very successful corporate side. Do you think if you didn't have that corporate side and you managed to, you managed them both well, but do you think if you didn't have that, you'd be, maybe more concerned about your restless creativity and maybe spreading yourself about too much where a sort of maybe less scattergun approach creatively, you might be able to turn out some really big projects if your focus was more narrow. Do you think the fact that you're successful in your corporate career means you're quite laid back in your creative career. Whereas because I don't have a successful corporate career or a successful normal life career, it's, you know, this is everything to me. So I try to keep that focus as narrow as possible. And in today's age with all these social media things, even just being on three or four, it does impact on me creatively. It probably does more harm than good, mm. you know, because there's too much time promoting your own work rather than actually churning out maybe the work that's going to get you out of a hole and take you away from all of that where you're not dependent on social media to publicize your work. Yeah, do, you think, no. do you think, basically, do you think if you did, weren't successful in your real life that creatively you wouldn't be trying out all these things and you'd be more focused on maybe two or three projects rather than, doing ev all the things that you do? Well, there's, there's probably several layers to that answer. Um, on the sort of very top layer, my very nature is just a curious experimenter. So I love, I like to figure things out and then I'm bored with them. So, you know, throw a piece of new tech at me. I'll go learn how to do it because that excites me. But then once I've figured out how to do it, there's no more excitement for me. So, you know, I've got that that I'm dealing with. But in terms of, could I be further along in a creative pursuit? Absolutely. If I narrowed myself 
to uh, uh, you know, if I niche, as they say, um, I have a philosophical problem with labels, as Kierkegaard said. You know, you label me, you negate me. So I I hate this idea that I have to be put into a box. Um, and the, you know, Heinlein say you know, specialization is for insects. So we we have a world that tries to push people to be. Uh, insects and specialize where if you take someone like um, you know the renaissance age uh, take a Leonardo da Vinci take all these guys back in the days they did everything they were scientists mathematicians artists they didn't have these false limits that we put on ourselves now um, and so you know I fight philosophically I have that battle it's like well why do I have to limit myself because, you know, I am a human, I'm not an insect. Um, and, yeah, so it bothers me, but I get it. I get that the the face of the world is you got to be a specialist um, and you got to be a, got to find a niche. But the, I find that so, so I find it boring. <laughs> like I was thinking about this this very day, so it's a good question to ask. It's like, I mean, if I niched in this thing, even on my corporate stuff, I do a lot of different varieties of stuff in my sort of coaching or uh, corporate world, whereas other of my you know peers, they specialize in a certain thing. It's like, because it, because it would require me just focusing on the one thing, it would bore the life out of me. But what if it meant that that focusing on one thing meant that more people got to hear of Clay Lowe, the creator's worldview? See, all the things that you've said, I I apply to myself. I'm not mm. concerned about people trying to put myself into a box. I almost question, well, what am I? I'm the one doing that questioning. I think there's something to be said for specialism, and I do worry that in the last 10 years i've just strayed away from that and gone away from the stuff that i was best at the stuff that i was mm. successful at and so no i get it i think it's a i think there is i think you're exactly right i mean if you look at any top sort of sports players and stuff like that you know they they're dedicated to the thing that they do and they do it to the fact that you know that makes them the best in the world at it because they're not their energy is not um diverted and so absolutely and i have gotten better at at um taking things off of that plate and and being more narrow in my focus it's not hyper narrow but it's become a lot more narrow than it used to be um in terms of yeah that sort of space and i've done that primarily as I like to say, to fit in amongst the humans. You know, humans seem to need it. So if I just shape and mold myself to to that, um, then yeah, you know, you gotta win in Rome, do as the Romans, as they say, that kind of thing. But so yeah, no, I 100% agree on that end. You know, just have and but then you know, then almost a rebel in me is like, you know what? Because I look at others and I see, you know, how, you know, they're specialized in it. And, yeah, it's like, but, yeah, yeah. So, yes, there's a yes and there's a, so it's multi-levels on that. I think absolutely, given given the state of the society, the world, and how it is, then, yeah, you, you know. If you had been more of a specialist, that might have given you the opportunity to spend less time in the corporate world. Would you have been 
happy to to spend less time in the corporate world or are you fine with the level of your involvement in the corporate world do you think you can live with that for the rest of your life i think because i self-employed and work for myself that helps me it's like i struggle as an employee in the corporate mm. world because my hands were tied in the same way that you're saying here so in the you know, i was in one company you know you're doing whatever that job is uh, and you go into the same place day in and day out got a boss and all that so you know that was driving me nuts but now being but, but you did the you did what 10 11 years military service that would have you would have had your bosses there you would have had your routines there you would have but we had a lot of ex, ex, uh, excitement and um unpredictability and challenge uh so it was nothing ever really easy um yeah that was a whole that's just a whole nother level of thing um in fact i would think we talked about this i struggled when i first got out because civilian life was mundane <laughs> it was it's like what is this man you know i wasn't the pucker factor was never up so I wasn't getting my charge, um, which is why I started jumping out of airplanes and doing adrenaline sports. Yeah, I became an adrenaline junkie post-military because it just was, civilian life was just very boring, very samey, very boring. There's no, there was no, I mean, you know, to go from being in an environment where, you know, the decisions and things you do are life and death decisions to just making normal decisions is quite boring you know i i feel like that about my life i think i've had and it's all related to the jobs i've had most of the jobs i've had have been so boring and what i realize is that i don't think about the things that i love doing like the writing i don't think about it and i was actually thinking about this today i'm never bored when i'm writing I'm bored when I'm, you know, editing a podcast. Mm. I'm never bored when I'm writing, when I'm creating. And I also realize that if there's anything that I really have a deep interest in, I can just do it endlessly. I, I don't get bored. You know, since I was a kid, I've had an interest. This goes back to four years old from a book my dad had. I, I'm a massive dermatology guy. You know, I could look at someone's skin and tell, and in fact have diagnosed someone in the last couple of years who had to go and get a punch biopsy. I, you know, and it's because I, I've spent about two hours, almost two hours every night, my routine, surfing online, watching videos, uh, watching um, surgeries that are on YouTube. Uh, it's what I spend my time on Instagram is looking at the Moscovy images. Mm. And I realize that I can do that because I'm genuinely interested in it. Mm. Whereas you stick me in an office for seven, eight hours, I'm dead and I can't function. And it doesn't matter how much money you're paying me. Um, it's not going to be enough to keep me there for a long time, which I think is a weakness rather than a strength. And I think it's something that affected me at school. I'm just not very good at being shut in a room for a number of hours. Um, yeah, but it's not a weakness. I mean, that's just the whole thing. It's like individuals have different preferences and things like that. And it's about playing to your strengths. So if you're, if it would be silly for you to lock yourself into an office building. If that's not where you thrive, you got to put yourself in the, you have to put yourself in an environment where you thrive at. 
um, and 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 then you can you know be the thing that you think and, and you know again just in the same way you were asking me about whether I narrowed down um you know from your point of view it's it's I think some of the things that happens with creators is we get focused on just the art but forget that if if you if you're doing it just for sell fine other than that if it's a business uh, you know the artist has to be able to put the entrepreneur hat on or the business hat on and do all those business things um, if they want to make the art go where it needs to to go or to get it into the hands of you know loads of people is that that sort of hustle thing but a lot of but artists- that, that that that's what's happened now for example you know you can self-publish now it's not seen as vanity publishing the way it was 20 years ago yet there are people actually making a living from that but what it does do it takes the creator away from being the creator they have to wear those multiple hats don't they they are essentially the editor the producer yeah yeah. and that does affect the art itself and i see so many books that have been self-published some of which are a very high standard but you can see they haven't been proofread they probably not had it in the budget to send it to someone the spelling mistakes mind you i don't know about you you're a big reader as well i see so many uh so so many grammatical errors in modern books modern fiction modern non-fiction you think well this never used to happen and because Mm. i've got ocds it it it, it really bothers me. I, I can't function. I will actually mark those pages out mm. with a post-it note. And there was a guy in my local library. I have no idea who it is. I'm assuming it's a guy because only a guy would be as pedantic. And I was reading these pastiche Sherlock Holmes things, and he was obviously getting them before me. And he was correcting any spelling errors um, and also writing on the pages if he thought a particular plot was quite weak and i think he'd he'd had a background as a sailor and there was a page in one particular story describing a a mariner's knot and he wrote two paragraphs on that page saying this person hasn't done their research this is not this kind of knot this specific knot was used at this particular time i always think does that people like that do they not have a life like why would you also to desecrate a book yeah but yeah like i like i don't even it doesn't even register with me when there's a spelling mistake. I like absolutely don't care. It's like it, I, I don't, I, and I, when I see people like on Twitter, correct, you know, getting all because someone didn't put a comedy, but I was like, what the hell? In the, when you're on your deathbed, will it matter that that comma was in the wrong space? Why would you waste an ounce of energy thinking about misspelling or a comma somewhere? That that little bit of brain power that you've diverted to there could be used for something else. And I guess that's how I've always find that such a waste of time. Um, yeah, it drives me nuts. <laughs> hey, let's just go back 15 minutes to yeah. your conversation about all the various social media. If you were going to create your dream social media, what would it be? My dream social what, what would you want from it? Um I think it would be a combination. It would be Tumblr with Insta, with Insta Story, Snapchat type thing, you know, with the sort of stories. It would be Tumblr with stories. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I need this, because I like having, in fact, I've gone back to Tumblr. I've kind of dusted off my Tumblr page to start. Are they still big? 
No, no. They, I mean, in the states, they still, still, they've got a nice following in the states. As I said, WordPress has just bought them last year, the year before. Um, uh, but they don't have much of. Yeah, I probably know no one over here that's on Tumblr. <laughs> um, but I like because I like the like I love the Twitter and the two hundred forty characters short micro blogging. I love that. I also like the ability to be able to go expand it if I want to go expand it. Um, uh, yeah, and I just like the the way the UI is in terms of sharing videos or sharing audio or sharing a quote. Uh, it's kind of just all kind of built there. So yeah, it would be that. But if you could also have stories on it, and I'd be good to go. Yeah. Be, uh, do you remember Tweet for Longer? That was, I think, in the early noughties, if you wanted to go over your 140 characters at the time, I think you had to sign up for something called Tweet for Longer. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to post a picture, it was twitpic.com. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Have you come across micro.blog? They were doing indie blogging. This was quite an no. interesting movement. I was a part of that for a while. And I like it. I mean... It, because it it had that kind of it was like you could microblog, but if you're if you're if you went over a certain bit, it automatically turned into a, a blog post for you. So if, you know you mostly you're doing your short ones, but if it went longer, then it would it just automatically switches into a blog post. And okay. you, it had a podcast on it as well, so you could do audio, and then it send it to iTunes and all that other stuff. Um, and it had uh, what it called sunlit, so it had a Instagrammy type functionality to it. And again, it was—I mean, the only reason why I stopped stopped is because you know there was a there was a cost; it wasn't free. Which, by the way, Twitter's looking at a paid version, going doing Twitter Pro or something along those lines. Who do you think will be going for that? The celebrities and I think celebrities and journalists and stuff like that will be on. There. What's the idea behind that? Uh, they've got to make money. Their ad revenue isn't the greatest as it could be. So it's it's always just the, the money thing, isn't it? So, you know, they bought Review, which is the newsletter um, service, kind of like Substack. In fact, the Review was before Substack. It's actually quite neat. Yeah, I have one of those. And But Twitter did a good thing. They bought it, and now I get it for free. I don't have to pay for a Review anymore because Twitter is now subsidizing it. But the idea is that they'll they want to have a platform that writers can make money from and try and attract that crowd that's kind of migrated to Substack for that reason, and and so they yeah so they they're looking for ways to make uh, more money is what they're after because they just you know, they can't dominate this sort of ad space like. Facebook and Google. I'm listening to a show on Google, the creation of Google and the various problems they ran into and how it's morphed into what it's become today. It's really interesting. Mm. I think we better get ready to uh, call it a night, huh? Yeah, we've turned this around from a very difficult beginning. I think it's been a strong show. You know, yeah. chewing the fat, no notes, two guys broken by the first 40 minutes of technical <laughs> issues, but we've done ourselves proud tonight. We had. Did you want one more song or are we done? Yeah, you play one of your songs. All right. We'll do some, uh, we'll do garbage. How about that?
I think we've had garbage. Is it a different song? Is it when I'm only happy when it rains? I don't think it's All right, it was garbage. Only happy when it rains. Yeah, it's been an interesting conversation because I always, um, well, I love, as I said, social tech aspect, but again, always interested in what other creators' uh, experiences like. Um, yeah, so it's fascinating. Nick, I'm still, you know, marvel a little bit at. I know you're into the sort of like I love media, so it's fine for me. But I know that you love writing. Um, yeah. But you spend so much time with podcasting, and when you watch that video link that I sent you, when you get to the end, you're going to hate him because he says with his new setup, he spends about five minutes editing. <laughs> I've got. I've watched the first five minutes. I made a page full of notes. I've already got one question to ask you, but I'm yeah. going to make sure I watch the whole video. But it's making a lot of sense, and I'm com- I'm comparing the mixer that we have we've got the same mixer you and i um comparing it to what his is and i think on his he doesn't have faders on so he's talking about these bottom these buttons at the bottom of his mixer whereas we actually have faders on ours and so i'm, I'm clicking on the picture of his mixer yeah. and it's i have to say the first five minutes uh i spent about 15 minutes watching it it is very interesting and yeah. i'm hopeful his, that it gets but, me past a few of these issues those are the faders as opposed okay. to they're just knobs instead of sliders yeah but if you well well say good night and then uh if you got a quick question um in fact i would say well, we have a quick debrief about about that because there is one aspect that i have to mention to you um okay about that yeah all right what about well, a decent decent night just one short of 20 yeah yeah people have been coming in and out dropping in and out we've had a person who's been hanging with us the whole way i hope you have enjoyed uh listening to the conversation and I apologies for our sort of late start, but um yeah, it's all good. And follow us on uh, Twitter uh, at trial you want underscore. You'll have the podcast of the show coming out in the next few days as well at all the usual places, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh you've got the hat man coming out tomorrow morning, haven't you, Clay? Yep, absolutely. Hat man is out tomorrow on his little dog walk and telling us another story. So that'd be great. Um, yeah, so cool. Have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll catch you next Friday here at from eight, maybe eight. <laughs> we'll try to make it eight o'clock to nine thirty. Um, but anyway, that's it for us. Have a good one.